So, I guess we can kick it off by saying we're here to speak about our first 100 episodes of The Curious Task. That's pretty awesome. I can't believe it's been 100 episodes. I feel like uh, I feel like we just started like a month ago or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you guys there. Uh, a lot of the Curious Task is being aired during the pandemic, and so I feel like it was a different geological era when we began this project. That's for sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's it's weird. I, I remember I remember. Uh, I feel like I, I always tell people I feel like I've lost a year of my memory somewhere because of the pandemic. So 2020 is like a really weird thing. Um, but what year did we? I guess we could just count by the amount of episodes, but what is it 2019? When did I actually approach you, Matt, to talk about this? Was it 2019 when I messaged you and we wanted to start talking about the podcast? It was either late 2018 or early 2019. Uh, it's very easy for me to remember when we started uh, actually airing episodes uh, because that was July 31st, yes. 2019, I believe. Uh, and our daughter Coraline was born on August 4th, 2019. So two things that I had a big hand in creating came into the world <laughs> in the same week. <laughs> yeah, no. And uh, and I, cause I remember it well because I was the one who and a lot of people listening to us right now are gonna this is gonna be some of the first time they hear any of this stuff, which I think is pretty cool. But um, I remember sort of working on the idea of wanting to do a podcast and starting to brainstorm with you. But instead of me just saying, "Here's what I was thinking of," I wanted to actually ask you, like, so from your perspective, why don't you tell a bit of the story? Actually, because for me, it's in all in my brain. But for you, it's like one day Alex, who just did ILS stuff before, just messaged you and said, "Hey, let's talk podcast." Right? Like, how, how'd that feel from your perspective? Yeah, well, I mean, it was really great the the way that the timing worked out, and it was something Sabine and I had been talking about for a little while about the possibility of uh, of doing a podcast. Uh, we'd actually sort of, and uh, I say we, but I mean mostly Sabine, which is usually what I mean when I say we. Uh, we had uh, come up with uh, some draft proposals and ideas for how a podcast might work. And we just never really quite hit on the right formula to, to get something off the ground. And uh, and then, yeah, I think it was probably a Facebook message that uh, that you sent me and said you were looking at uh, you know doing a podcast and, and could the ILS be involved? Uh, I think we had a couple meetings in the, uh, the beer bar, the very good beer bar yes. that was downstairs from our office and has since closed much to our great uh, great despair. Um, and yeah, I talked about the you know, what you were looking at doing, what we would be interested in doing, and, and the things really, really fit well. I mean, as people who've listened to previous episodes, I assume not many people are coming in for this without having listened to any previous episodes, but if you are, welcome. Um, but uh, I, I imagine people know that, you know, this is a podcast that's a bit like a podcast version of an ILS talk. So it's not a real short Twitter sort of thing. It's not about like owning the anybody else on, you know, scorching political views and hot takes. It's, it's about longer in-depth conversations and exploring ideas. And I, I know sometimes you agree a lot with the guest and sometimes there's little areas of, of difference, but that's something you're able to explore through conversation. And, and so I think that's pretty much the format you proposed. It's the format we, we went with, with probably a few minor tweaks. And I think it fits the ILS uh, project and brand very well. Yeah, one thing I remember I was really concerned about it and like we obviously just agreed on it because we've done it there's 100 episodes to, to listen to in, in that way so there's proof in the pudding but I was I don't want to name names but I, I was really one of the reasons I did come to you is I was not only interested in this stuff for the sake of it but I I, I really was concerned with the state of the union if you will of podcasting when it comes to some 
frankly, things uh, in the quote libertarian movement and some of the even not outside of that in terms of the way many podcasts address some of these issues. I mean, we're talking about, you know, uh, in some cases, the minimum wage, in some cases, anarchism, in some cases, um, you know, civil society, whatever it is, everyone can scroll through the list of episodes we have. And not everybody out there, there's some great stuff out there. Let me say there is some great stuff out there. But a lot of it is 10 to 15 minute hot takes, or as you said, owning somebody. And and I just remember thinking like, you know, this was my main motivation. So I was really happy that when we connected, you're basically like, yeah, all that's junk. We should do something better. Absolutely. Actually, I think uh, a lot of uh, people don't know this, but Alex and I didn't even know each other when we started this podcast. So right. the first I remember the first meeting um, that we had at the bar that Matt mentioned, I was going to like, who is this Alex guy? I don't even know this guy. Once we do a podcast, with him, I don't know about this. <laughs> so going to that meeting and then we hit it off right away we're like oh this is great like we have the same ideas this is we're obviously going to work well together on this project and it ended up going to like 100 episodes uh, of producing this thing together the three of us and it's been like such a good ride and who would have thought it would be so successful and so uh like so good just just so good yeah i remember i remember like one thing you were really concerned about um, was that like I was and this is a fair concern based on what I was saying before is that I was just someone interested in like just hosting a podcast full stop not necessarily the actual topics kind of thing and I remember when you were I talking about that we we both were saying that we actually had the same problem just like that's not what we wanted to do we didn't yeah. want to just like do a podcast we wanted to talk to some great guests and people and get that out there in long format. And I think that's really been the seed that's carried everything is, is talking to great people, recording it and getting it out in long format. I think that's sort of been our, our sort of, um, you know, guiding light, if you will, this whole time. I, I agree. That's exactly how it happened. And um, it's really it makes things a lot easier knowing that Alex like knows the topics is passionate about the topics actually cares about these things and he isn't just somebody who's like hosting something he's actually talking about topics that really matter to him that he's very passionate about so that makes it a lot easier uh when he's talking to the guests that we have that are often very passionate about the thing that the very small thing or sometimes a very big project they're taking on um alex knows exactly what to ask them because he really cares about this so it makes producing this a lot easier Absolutely. And uh, one thing that I think is uh, a nice thing that we add, because there are some other podcasts of sort of a similar um, style and, and format, and many of them, you know, I think uh, we're big fans of uh, and listening to. And one thing we provide a little bit differently is being the explicitly Canadian angle. Right. So we did uh, within the past uh, month, uh, we've aired an episode on the American founding. Uh, that's a great episode. And I think that's really interesting. But we also were able to pair it, uh, I think, the week immediately before uh, with an episode talking about sort of Canadian liberalism and the historical foundations of that. That's something there's not a lot of podcasts that are going to be exploring those issues from a Canadian perspective. And and I think actually on that on that note, like I remember um, that was sort of a balance that you were interested in making sure that we strike too, Matt, because I remember like, you know, I, I had come in with a couple of ideas like, let's do this. Let's get these kind of people to talk about this. But ultimately, the Institute for Liberal Studies is an educational uh, organization. And one thing that you really wanted to make sure of is no matter what we did, we still kept the ILS's primary audience in mind, right? Absolutely. And I think that's something, you know, obviously we do speak to a lot of international guests and, and a lot of American guests. Uh, and that's great. We got some some great people. So we never want to rule that out. But uh, but I think we have somewhere between about a quarter and a third of our guests are Canadians. Uh, and some of those similar podcasts would probably rarely, if ever, have a Canadian guest on there. And 
you know, speaking about some of the things in a, a Canadian context. And we even have, you know, some of our American friends who are on the podcast, you know, know a little bit about Canada, either they, some of them taught here, many of them visited here, uh, or even just pay attention a bit to Canadian politics and, and current events. And so they can add that perspective in, which I think is a, a nice thing, you know, being Canadian, a lot of the media we consume is American. We're seeing all of these references to American you know, culture and events and politics and there's a lot of problems with Canadian politics, but if anything, I think American politics is uh, is worse. And so I think it's nice to provide that different angle. And, and and also too, like one thing that, and I don't know how we did it. So whatever we're going to do, we're going to keep doing it the way we do it. But we've received like some good notes and good word and compliments from people that are both seasoned academics, like, you know, that have been in academia from, you know, for, for decades, all the way through to people, students just discovering these topics. And for whatever reason, whatever we're doing in our formula, it seems to appeal to both those audiences or anything in between. And I think that's something that, like, again, I actually don't know how we struck that balance. Like we, we knew we wanted to do a certain format that was appealing in such and such way. But the fact that that, that breadth of people are interested in the episodes, that, that's something I think we can be really proud of. Like I, it's, it's been humbling to hear many compliments from all those angles. Yeah. On the Canada aspect, like we had episodes like Alex Salter, he did the episode on did central banks get COVID-19, right? And looking at that title, you're like, oh, it's going to be an hour of him talking about central bank in the United States. But he actually uh, didn't. He went on and talked about, you know, what happened in Canada during COVID uh, in this vein and, all, and also the differences between cent the central bank in Canada and in the United States. So it actually, I think, gives our Canadian audience um, a new viewpoint that they don't really hear in other podcasts, like Matt was saying earlier, because a lot of other podcasts are just American centered or just Canada centered. They don't really compare the two. So I think it's interesting for them to get that perspective from somebody who's an expert on central banking, actually coming to us and saying, okay, this is a Canadian podcast. So we're going to, I'm going to infuse some Canadiana in there so that it, it appeals to that. And I'm really proud of that aspect of the podcast. Absolutely. I've run across a couple of Facebook comments in the time we've been doing this where people who I don't necessarily know uh, will be talking in a you know, mutual friends uh, comment thread and they post an episode of the podcast and you know, someone will say, I love this podcast. This is one of my you know, favorite podcasts. I always listen to it. That's always great. A couple you know, examples that, uh, that come to mind. Uh, we had uh, our Freedom Week uh, conference that was online uh, for 2021 uh, about two weeks ago now from when we're recording this. And, uh, and there was a young woman who was Mexican and she was in Mexico. She's actually enrolled in philosophy at the University of Alberta, but it was her first year this past year. And so because of COVID, she's never actually been to the University of Alberta. And so she discovered Freedom Week and the Institute for Liberal Studies via the podcast. And so that's exactly the kind of thing that we were hoping would happen. I mean, certainly where you want people who know the ILS to discover the podcast and, and become subscribers through that, but also love the idea that some people find the podcast not knowing already about the ILS and are able to then come to some of our programs and events. And I know I've had professors um, who, uh, who, you know, teaching classes and someone in their class comes up at the end of the class and says, hey, professor, I was listening to your interview on the curious task. And that makes me really excited because although we see reports, you never see anyone live when we're doing this. And right. sometimes you sort of wonder, are you speaking out of the air? Is anyone listening? And it's always exciting to see those really like <laughs> tangible uh, proof that people are. That you mentioned that, that brings up two important points to my head because like I've, I've obviously I, I think that this whole project has been worth it. But one thing that was sort of uh, obvious at the beginning was that the ILS was going to use the 
use its own uh, brand recognition that it had to push people to the podcast. And it ha- and uh, you know, there's always a bit of everything happening uh, over over the course of the many weeks that we've been doing this. But it's but it's very relatively recent, I would say, that we see a fr- more of a frequency of people that actually are just looking for podcasts and then discover the ILS. And that was sort of the the cherry on top to me that, you know, this is a great platform that the ILS provided for this podcast. And it wouldn't have probably gone where where it did without that. But the fact that now the podcast in and of itself is something that people hold hold near and dear to their heart in some ways are also just discover that first. I think like we that's something we should all like feel very happy to hang our hat on as well. That's been very interesting to me to hear about. Yeah, I really like it when uh, sometimes you look at the reports and uh, and you can see how many you know, times uh, how many downloads we received in a certain day. And sometimes that's very close to the number of people. So, you know, X number of people all download one episode. But every now and then you see a report that indicates that like one person went and downloaded a bunch of episodes. And I really like seeing that because I, I like to imagine that person, they were maybe suggested it or or an algorithm, you know, help them find it. They listened to one episode. They thought, this is great. And they download, you know, one, two, three dozen more episodes to put in their, their phone while they're working out or going for a walk or whatever it is. And that's really exciting to me. Oh, um, I think this uh, this podcast is a really good example of uh, of experimentation uh, turning into success. So we were in the beginning of the, the, the podcast journey that we had. We weren't really sure if this kind of um, podcast would appeal to people. Uh, I don't I, like when I was when Matt and I were first talking about it before even Alex got involved. We were thinking maybe we could do an episode on, like you know, um, just talking to students about things or things that matter to students only. Um, is that the kind of way we should go with the podcast, or should we go for a broader audience? We're not sure. So then I think I think what we ended up doing when Alex got involved was getting putting all those things into one package, right? And putting it out into the world and seeing if it was going to work. And it kind of did. So one thing that Matt reminded me about the other day is like how much and again, like when people come to us and say that they, they could never tell that's a huge compliment is how much experimentation was happening just in the first couple of episodes. Like I, I remember like a lot of the stuff was, as you said, Sabine, we were sort of trying to hit that balance of like, how, how to do what we set out to do, but also make it appealing and so on and so forth. And one thing that Matt reminded me of was, was the way each episode ends. Um, with with the sort of asking the guest for the final takeaways, um, that was literally just me after I wrote the notes for the first episode. Going, I have no clue how we're gonna freaking end this. You know, it'd be really great if there was like a summary, and not from me, because that's something I didn't like in some other media where it's like we've talked to this person for an hour, and now let's let me sum it up for you. I was like, why don't I just throw it back to the guest? And that's sort of been like something that more than one person has talked to me about that they like about the episode, like this sort of a hallmark now, but, but right from episode one, that wasn't really planned. That was just sort of an experiment that kind of took off. And there's a lot of that happening at the beginning, even with how long the episode should go and so on and so forth. So you're absolutely right. When you say that word experiment, it just brings to mind how much of it actually was like when we were just saying, will this formula work? And, and in many ways it did. And I think that applies to the, how we came up with the title of the curious task too. It was uh, a lot of experimentation. Well, that was a fun <laughs> with, story. With worse, with very bad titles and some good ones, but mostly bad ones until we got to, <laughs> until we got to the one we ended up with, which I'm really happy with. If we're being, if we're being honest, like, I mean, it's, it's just like many good uh, brainstorms happen in, in this field or even in, in creative and business or something like, you know, I think we were plugging away at titles for, uh, a couple, 
like more than one meeting. I think we had an initial brainstorm left and then came back at one point and then we were still writing down titles. Okay, let's let these, and I remember like it was a couple hours into it. And then uh, I forget, someone mentioned something and Matt was just like leaning back in a chair. I have this fused into my memory. And he, <laughs> and he had like a marker over his head, like with his arm over his head. And he was just, and I think he had like, or actually I think it was like sort of like the marker in the mouth sort of thinking face. And Matt, <laughs> he just sort of went, and I remember there's all this like, honestly crap on the whiteboard. It was like scribbles everywhere. And Matt was like, why don't we just fucking call it the curious task? And that was the end of it. That was literally the end of it. That was pretty great. I think we all really liked it right away. We, he didn't really have to convince us. We're like, oh, that's so good. Oh, we left that's the so office perfect. after. I think that's when we went back when the, the yeah. when you could have beers yeah. downstairs. We said, great, that was it. We shot off the lights and went down. That was the end of the meeting. But it took us a while. <laughs> it took us a while to get there. But it wasn't, uh, it was one of the least, uh, in a way, it was one of the least thought out ideas. But it doesn't matter because some of the best thought out ideas are still bad ones. So Matt just kind of capped it off. And that was kind of fun. I guess I don't know if there's high. I'm not sure if you remember, Matt, if there's like a picture of Hayek in the room or something or a book on the table. But that was pretty well, great. Well, if, if we're at the ILS, there's probably a picture of Hayek looking at you from from somewhere in the room. <laughs> Every uh, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a great name. And we've had a you know, number of our guests uh, say that they they enjoyed the name. And of course, the, the Curious Task is a reference to a, a quote by F.A. Hayek. And if anyone listening doesn't know that, just Google those words and and you'll you'll come across it. One interesting thing is between the time we came up with the name and, and settled on it and released our first episode, someone else already also started a podcast called The Curious Task. Right, right. And so when we launched our first episode, we didn't know because we looked at it when we came up with the name, couldn't find any other podcast with that name. Spent a few months producing some episodes, playing with the format and production details released an episode and almost immediately someone emails me and says, Hey, there's another podcast called the curious task. Now, fortunately their visual design was very different. It was like a very black and I think yellow sort of thing where we're predominantly red and white. So, uh, so for a while I was telling people, you know, if you get two ones in your, in your podcast feed, when you search the name, just pick the red one. That's, that's the one you want. And, uh, and I'm happy to say, at least for our benefit, that other podcast didn't last a long time. It wrapped up after a few episodes. And now I think we're the only one that comes up in most people podcast feeds uh, when you search for the curious task so we uh, we really avoided a, a crisis of confusion there yeah and i'm not and i don't want to say something that's wrong because i never checked into it deeply but if i remember correctly i don't think that uh, that podcast just ironically did not actually get the curious task namesake from the hyatt quote because i went i think i remember doing some research and it didn't seem like it had anything to do with that i could be wrong but i think i think they probably did i think they probably think? did okay yeah maybe i don't remember but either way like i guess like you said it was ultimately we were that was another that was a first roadblock after that great idea but i guess it's, it's one no more so uh that does pretty interesting i was gonna say things have really changed from the first episode till now even though we were we kept the same concept but like, what do you guys think about the changes that have occurred over the past hundred episodes? I feel like listening to Nigel Ashford's episode, it's so good. I love it. It's one of my favorite episodes, but it just sounds and feels different than like, let's say the one we just released last week. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Well, one thing that's probably changed, I'll just say right off the bat, is the production value. I think, uh, uh, the, you know, I think at the beginning we were experimenting with what software, what this, what that. Uh, and then so that's gotten better. Um one thing that it sounds kind of like silly to point out now because it's been a year of pandemic was that there were some may not know because the majority of our episodes have now been recorded virtually. But there was a time where one of our highest priorities was if we could, it was 
sort of a nice to have, like, let's time this when guests would visit the ILS or or there was a certain event happening and then Alex could record with them. So we actually have a good chunk of episodes at the beginning. This is the most, this is quite interesting to me that um, that were recorded in person. And that was I think that was very good the way those turned out. But then we were kind of forced to go, uh, I guess, virtual first. Right. So that was kind of a I mean, to me, I just have to do the same thing, prepare. But that's also a production nightmare on Sabine's end. But we managed to shift gears. That's definitely one thing I really miss. I I think the the Zoom um, recordings have been great and we've been pushing out some great content. But I do miss being in the room with the with the uh, person talking to you uh, about the topic, because I don't know, it just kind of changes the atmosphere a little bit, makes them a little bit more relaxed and gets them excited to talk about it more because you would have had a conversation with them about it beforehand. Uh, so you were not just like going on a Zoom thing, starting the conversation and then ending it. Uh, we would sort of ease into it because we'd have a conversation beforehand about the topic oftentimes. And, you know, being in the person's office, like I remember one of the last ones we recorded live was with Jacob Levy in his office. So with this yes. little side one. And it's just different because you're like in Jacob Levy's office, surrounded by all his favorite books. And it just like makes it feel a little bit different when you're talking uh, to someone like Jacob Levy in his yeah. space. You know, it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah. not saying that the episodes we're doing on Zoom have been uh, like worse. It is different. different. And I think I one of the last, I think the, that was one of the last, you're correct, with Jacob Levy. But I think the last one, if I remember correctly, right before the pandemic lockdown started happening was Chris Fryman in Ottawa. If I remember That's correctly, right. that was that was like one of those things, like you said, like it becomes like a different experience. You record live and you're, you're with the person. I think we, we went out to dinner after and that kind of thing. And we were like, oh, you know, have a great night. And then the pandemic started. So I remember that. I can't wait to yeah. do that again. It's going to be great. We'll still be yeah. doing some on Zoom because we can't always get everybody in the room or we can't get to people a lot of time. But uh, just having maybe like four out of 10 in person even. Yeah, no, Zoom's been great. I agree with you. Like Zoom Zoom has been great. It's just when we can, it, it, the, the live is, is really like, it's sort of like a different, it's a slightly different experience as, as speaking from my perspective, at least as an interviewer, actually from a producer, because like you used to manage the dashboard and the sounds and all that live, right, Sabine? So that's, that's, right. that's a different I experience did. too. And like if somebody clicked a pen or if someone did something or the mic was too far, Sabine could literally just reach and tap somebody on the shoulder or move something. Now there's like messages. Give you a look. You know, looks don't really work no no they don't and now you have to send a message to me or like or interrupt is it's so the, actually that's really the production angle now that i think about it. that was a lot of experimentation a lot of things have changed on that end too um matt's office was just very close to where we used to record the curious task so he got the benefit of listening to every episode before it was even that's produced true. so that, that's now true. that i think about it that's very yeah now he hears it he doesn't he's not always doesn't always have the benefit of being there for the recording i miss that yeah. when matt used to come i was asked be like well that was great yeah yeah, I mean, I, I miss it, too, because I got to hear the uh, the raw uh, footage, the raw conversation, and, and then uh, then also hear the produced uh, product, the final product at the end. Probably worth uh, mentioning on that note that uh, certainly the episode with Nigel Ashford, and I believe also the interview with Eric Mack were both recorded in like a cinder block dorm room oh, at Carleton yes. University. Yeah. So if anyone's listened to either of those episodes and there's a slightly echoey quality to it, <laughs> uh, that's the reason why it's, uh, it's you know, recorded, uh, surrounded by concrete and cinder block uh, on a university dorm room. I have a picture of us doing that um, episode, especially with Eric Mack. And the laptop that we were using to record was on top of like an upside down recycling bin. <laughs> that was the production. <laughs> that was, but it was so cool. It was like really, it was very uh, raw, I guess. Because 
<laughs> I don't know what the word is to describe, but that's like how you produce it on the fly. We're at Freedom Week. We're sitting in this uh, weird like ho- hotel room, I guess you can call it, it's dorm room, uh, with, and it's it's all it's all cement all around you, and you just have to like figure it out. There's a there's a recycling bin. You turn it over. You put your laptop on it. Uh, that was really fun. A, ve- a very a very ex. Now that I think about it, I'm so glad we're talking with this stuff because it's making me remember all this great stuff. But like um, now that I think about it, a very good metaphor for uh, planning versus tacit knowledge. You know, I remember showing up being like, oh, I have the equipment I need. I know I have my power bar. I can set this up because for those of you who don't know, it's a very simple setup. But we do have relatively professional microphones and actual audio interface and so on and so forth. And this is all controlled from a specific computer that I bring around. And I was like, well, that's what you need. Right? The equipment. It didn't occur to me to think like. Maybe we should show up a little bit earlier. So when by the time Nigel shows up, um, we are actually properly set up with what I'm going to actually do with this equipment. But luckily, some quick thinking by means Sabine and a couple we of were not professional cu- podcasters cu- at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, no. A couple of blo- a couple of recycle bins flips upside down with cables running over people's heads. <laughs> we actually set up. And I remember during the Nigel Ashford episode, there was a guy outside like mowing the lawn of the camp, like a camp, the campus lawn. Yes. And it happened. He started the second we started recording and he would not stop. And then it like ended right when we finished the recording, and you just see him walking by the window back and forth. And I was so angry at him. I wanted to go outside and be like, "Stop now!" But you can't. He's just doing his job. Nigel, if you're listening to this, thanks for being so gracious with us for the first episode. I mean, like, you're right. I remember that. I remember it started in the distance, and I knew the software a bit bit at the time. Like, okay, it gets a low hum at this point. Um, I could probably remove some of that and post. And then, and then Nigel was like, "So the third element of classical liberalism and all here's this thing went by he just looked at me and laughed he's like well i know that audio shot that was fun yeah that that cement dorm room uh with cables going behind my back and sabine sitting on i think like a milk crate in front of an upside down recycle bin that was that was the glorious beginnings of the curious task yeah but you know nigel ashford is is a really wonderful person and a, and a professional and you know he, he did the episode and it sounds great and actually turned out perfectly so really happy about it but since since then we from that point on i should say we, we definitely got our our equipment up a little better and uh and, a little and better a, yeah. a little better yeah well that, that's that's really cool yeah and then yeah and i don't know like it's just like you brought up a really good point that a lot has even changed on the production side um you know since the beginning of of uh since the beginning of the whole thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with zoom, but I'm looking forward to going back to some live interviews when we can. Zoom has its challenges too. I sat in on the taping of the recent interview with uh, Bill Easterly on the tyranny of experts and uh, Bill Easterly's in New York. He was at his office at, at NYU when we were speaking to him. And uh, there was a lot of either ambulance or police, or maybe there were fire sirens in the background. I right. actually haven't listened to the final uh, produced episode to find out how successfully you were, you know, maybe pulling those out or, or toning those down. But if not, I mean, it's like, it's a fun bit of character. And and also too, there's only so much you could do with the guests too. Like, I mean, anyone who is a guest on the, who has been a guest on the curious task that, uh, that is, might be listening to this. Thank you so much for your patience. Cause we do our best to, to try and get that audio. There's, you can't go like renovate their house. Right. So like at the beginning of the episode, we try and do that whole, like, can you try moving the laptop here? I think I can hear the fan from the laptop or do you have a hard drive going on your desk? Cause I can hear the whirring or is there a vent open? Like poor Sabine has to ask all these questions. Well, I just sort of sit there, but, uh, but you're right. Absolutely. There has been challenges because every zoom call is a different environment on the other end when you think about it. So the air sounds different. The the room sounds different. Some people have their windows open. Some people apologize for the dog that's in the next room. It's it's, it's been uh, 
it's been quite interesting. The animals that have made uh, guest appearances on the podcast, like 10 over 10, please keep them coming. I love seeing cats come up to the screen and like stare at me while we're doing the production. Like absolutely the best part of Zoom is the animal content. (laughs) One thing that's been fun too is the guests have, when we started this whole pandemic thing, a lot of our guests clearly were the type of people that preferred in-person lectures or interviews or whatever. So that's been sort of fun too, if you recall. So now everyone's used to it. Like if we record an episode tomorrow, everybody's like, I'm ready to go. But I remember when this whole pandemic thing hit and the Zoom uh, Zoom Corporation stock shut up and I didn't buy in and I'm still regretting that. Um, people were just getting <laughs> into Zoom and uh, and there's a lot of people that you basically had to coach, like click this, click that. I remember that because like some of these folks, not because they're old, young or whatever. It's just, it sounds so silly, but a lot of people weren't used to it. It's new. Like people were like, ah, just why don't we talk on the phone? Why don't we do this? But, you know, getting some people just had purchased a camera. Some people just purchased a mic. So there's a lot of cooperation on that end too. So um, the production side has been quite interesting, actually. Now that I think about it, I should have I should have taken screenshots. The cats of the curious task. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or my dog too, Callie. <laughs> yeah. With that, we're gonna go to a quick break. So everyone, you're listening to a bonus episode from the Curious Task, and myself, Alex Aragona, Matt Bufton, and Sabine Elchidiak are speaking together today. The Curious Task is a podcast from the Institute for Liberal Studies. Feel free to send questions, feedback, guest recommendations, or anything else that's on your mind to curioustask at liberalstudies.ca. As always, a huge thanks to our supporters on Patreon, including Alessandro Fiorello, Amy Willis, Andy Crooks, Ben Hobbs, Christopher McDonald, Daniel Beer, Danny Leroy, Elizabeth Aragona, Janet Bufton, Joe Aragona, John Robson, Chris Rondolo, Peter Jaworski, Randy T. Simmons, Rosa Pagliarello, Sabine Elchidiak, Scott Scheel, Travis Smith, and Vincent Geloso. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at The Curious Task, and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to The Curious Task. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to a bonus episode of The Curious Task. I'm speaking with Sabine and Matt today. So we were just starting to chat over the break about that we wanted to do a quick uh, shout out to all of our patrons, which will actually be in the post-produced break that you just heard. I just named every single patron we have, um, which which is awesome. Thanks. But I mean, one of the things that we did right from the beginning was we wanted to see back to Sabine's experimentation point is like if we could start a Patreon. So that was kind of that was actually a Matt idea, I think. Right, Matt? Well, I mean, that is a big part of my job is making sure that uh, we have the funds to continue doing all the work that uh, we think is so important and valuable at uh, at the ILS. And although I say uh, it's probably safe to say that uh, that we make you know, every dollar go a, a really long way, both with the ILS and the stuff that we do, but I think particularly uh, in in this podcast, um, having a little bit of uh, you know funding to help us with things like some of the equipment purchases. Uh, I know one of the things I was hoping that we would be able to do with uh, with some of that funding before COVID arrived uh, was if we wanted to take the curious task on the road for a little bit. You know, there's a there's some conferences that I know have a ton of interesting speakers, and if we could uh, you know use some of that money to fly you and Sabine down to some of these meetings that uh, that used to take place in the before times. You could do a lot of episodes while being down there, um, and it would be pretty cost effective. But you got to buy a plane ticket, you know, some uh, some nights in a hotel room, uh, maybe some extra equipment to to make us more mobile. So yeah, I'm always thinking about making sure we've uh, we've got money to keep these things going. I remember that. I remember that video. We and if anyone hasn't been to our Patreon page, please go check it out and see if you feel like you want to support us. But um, but yeah, I remember that video that we uh 
that we posted on there uh, at the intro video on the Patreon. But that was a pretty fun experience. A little janky too. I remember microphones being. Oh yeah. I remember microphones being taped to the ceiling and things like that. That was kind of fun. So we're always making every dollar count. I totally agree with you. Absolutely. And as you say, you know, if uh, anyone is listening and has enjoyed listening to the Curious Task and, and want to help us uh, keep on doing this and make sure that we're able to continue to uh, get to interesting guests and and uh, produce high quality episodes, uh, please do consider joining us on, on Patreon and. Uh, if, uh, if anyone signs up on Patreon uh, in the two weeks after hearing this episode, we've got some limited edition Curious Task coffee mugs and headphones. And we'd be happy to send some of those in the mail to you if you join us by being one of our Patreon supporters. And actually, now that we're on that, talking to some of the folks that are listening, every break and every episode, I do say um, if there's any feedback or anything like that, give us an email. Please do so. I mean, sometimes we get them, sometimes we don't. But if you know, if you like an episode, tell us. If, if you don't like an episode, tell us. If you agree with me on something or disagree, tell me. If you want to talk, to ask any of us a question about a certain thing you heard, please do so. I think the, the feedback is very important. It's great. Uh, I think it's amazing that we have our, our supporters on Patreon. But but everybody who's listening, whether you're a supporter or not, remember to definitely send it, send in the kind of feedback uh, that you think we might want to hear or or not want to hear because that's that's very important to us. Even if you just want to nerd out over an episode, we love that. I mean, we love doing that anyway between ourselves. So it would be cool to include you in that. Absolutely, yeah. You want to join an email chain about some nerdy stuff? You want to you know, grill someone a little more about about some uh, some questions that we may have asked? Please do so. We're more than happy to forward you information or or get ner- nerdy with you as well because that that's what this is all about too. So anyone listening, feel free to definitely um um send that out. Um, I believe because I don't have the script in front, but it's, it's curious task at liberal studies.ca. I was going to I want to talk to you guys about favorite episodes and, and why they might be our favorite episodes. Do we want to jump into that now? Let's do it. OK, so I'm going to nominate Sabine with my semi hosting powers for this little chat here. To no, no, let, let, go let first. Matt go first. Let oh, Matt go first. OK, OK. Produ- <laughs> producer deferral and Matt has the decision to use executive producer veto or not, but we'll see what he does. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm happy to go. It's see, so I'm, hard a to man choose. of the people. Everyone see that. That's the kind of executive producer we have. There we go. Servant leadership. It's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's so hard to choose. There's uh, there's a lot of great episodes, a lot of personal friends that have, have done episodes, and I've really enjoyed listening to many of them. One I want to highlight that I, I really enjoyed is an uh, interview, I think it aired in about December of 2020, uh, Mustafa Akiol, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, which I probably am, but he did a conversation on how free is the Muslim world. And I think that for so many of us in you know, Canada, North America, you know, the West, if you will, uh, that it's easy to look at the classical liberal tradition and look at all the great figures, the John Stuart Mills, the Adam Smiths, the David Humes, uh, you know, Milton Friedman, all of these guys. And, uh, and they're mostly guys. Uh, there are some, of course, some great women, Jane Jacobs and Eleanor Ostrom, uh, to name a couple. But uh, look at these people and think that sort of the totality or, or the great bulk of important you know, contributions and, and sympathy for classical liberal ideas comes from a fairly small number of countries. My friend Tom Palmer, who's also a guest on The Curious Task, uh, likes to say that you know, any culture, any country has some tradition of classical liberalism in there because classical liberalism really is just individual freedom. And there are not, you know, countries or races or groups of people or any of that where there's not, you know, appreciation for freedom. Now, sometimes those people are not as free as we wish they were. And so the expressions 
of that freedom aren't what we wish they were. And so I think that it's very good to have episodes um, like the one with Mustafi Akil uh, and discuss freedom in different cultures. He says a lot of interesting things in there that I didn't know uh, about the fact that there are these you know, values that are, that are in the founding uh, documents and writings and teachings uh, of, from, uh, from Islam that relate very well to classical liberal uh, scholars, you know, not taking life, respect for property rights and, and things like that. And so I really enjoy when we get to dig down an episode like that and I get to listen and discover things that I didn't know and, uh, and teach me more about a culture and a part of the world that I don't know as much about the classical liberal tradition in that place as I wish I did. Well, speaking of Tom Palmer, I mean, I'll, uh, you just mentioned him. So I will uh, talk about an episode that I really enjoyed, uh, episode 67, for those who are writing this down or, or want to look it up quickly. Uh, we had Tom Palmer uh, speaking to us on the topic of war. What is it good for? Um, and I really like this episode because he talks about how people envision a world with peace and they talk about that and they write about it on their Facebook feeds and all of that. But he talks about how you have to actually figure out how to make peace happen, uh, which is a message that really resonates with me because um, when I think about a, a problem or an issue in the world, I really like to think of it in a way um, that allows me to have actual practical solutions or actually start thinking about those ideas or policy solutions or things like that. And Tom uh, was able to do that in this uh, episode with us. And, you know, you, you, he wants to ask the questions about the economic and political structures that are more likely to be peaceful uh, or more likely to be warlike so that we can see what's going on there and, and act on it. Um, and I think that's, that's really great. And he goes on to shut down any idea that war is beneficial economically to a country. Um, and that's like a message of peace that I think is really, really important. And he was able to do that in this episode. Um, but he also goes on to talk about other kinds of wars. It isn't just about the wars that you, that you traditionally think about, like Iraq, which he talks about at great length in the episode. But he also talks about um, things like the war on drugs or people who are fighting their own war against homosexuality and things like that. He talks about that near the end of the episode. Um, because these types of wars also end up harming people on a great scale uh, and a very very on a large scale and and often end up granting power to the state to like smash down their doors drag them off to a cage or oftentimes worse and that's uh, a really important aspect of uh the episode on war what is it good for because it isn't just about uh wars in the traditional sense which he talks about at length but also the wars you might see at home so i think that this is an episode that is both um important in terms of thinking about the outside world like war doesn't really happen in Canada it's something that happens in other countries but it's actually very important for us to look at it in that way but then talks about wars uh, that are happening on our soil like the war on drugs and, and, and other things like that so that I thought that was a very important episode that I recommend to people when they ask me for episode recommendations from our podcast. For me, I'm going to, and I'm actually, before I start, I'll just echo something that like Matt and Sabine have kind of already said, but that we also say many times over that highlighting some of these is definitely not an indication of, of, of quality over others. I think every episode has been great. Every one of them is, is truly been an absolute pleasure to record and edit and work on. So, I, you know, it's just every guest been amazing, but I would like to highlight for my first one, um, a very recent one we actually did with Ian Scoble. Um, he was talking about, well, the episode was centered around the question of is anarchy relevant for classical liberals? And uh, I, I can think of a couple of reasons why I really like this one. One of them being 
that um, one of our goals has been to do a, a little bit more uh, content on sort of the anarchist question. And we're going to get a little bit more into that as the curious task goes on. We have a couple in, in the can from different angles about the questions of, of anarchy. And, and that, that's really cool. Um, but we're going to be doing more of that kind of content coming up. So that, that's really exciting. But also, too, I think this provides similar to um, the one we did at the very beginning with Nigel Ashford, uh, you know, which basically set the stage for the rest of the podcast, which is what is classical liberalism. I think Ian's actually, we didn't even really do this on purpose. I think it just turned out that it did this is actually a great platform for other episodes that might also address the anarchist question, the anarchist philosophy and anarchist principles. We covered a, a breadth of information in there. And uh, Ian was able to talk about not only what he thinks anarchism is as a high level, why it's an important discussion. And, uh, and and how it applies to many different things uh, that people sh sh should think on, but also how we tie that into the larger question of classical liberalism and the larger um, overall discussion. And from my personal point of view, I think anarchism and anarchist thinking is one of the logical extensions of classical and traditional liberal values that especially that came out of the Enlightenment. So it's a very important episode overall to me. It's also one that I, I personally uh, really am interested in and that that specific topic is, is awesome. So that that's one I'll, I'll highlight as well for, for, for that specific uh, idea. Um, so, so that's, that's three strong ones so far to highlight. I think that that's really awesome. Um, and we'll be, um, air airing some of these again over the month of July. So everyone listening, keep an ear out and your eyes out on, on, on our release. Cause we're going to be, uh, releasing some of these again as, as sort of like a highlight reel, if you will, for, for a couple of these. Um, Matt, did you have another one that you wanted to mention or highlight? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one that uh, that I'm going to mention, for my, my second choice, and uh, this will come as a little surprise to those of uh, I've talked to over the past year or so, I've become increasingly interested in issues of educational choice. We have a young daughter, and we're a couple years away from this yet, but in the uh, foreseeable future, we'll be making decisions about schooling and education. And, uh, and I was so happy that James Tooley was able to record an interview uh, with us uh, earlier in the year. Um, that episode is about the co uh, low cost education. Is low cost education possible? I think it's so important, and you know, James Tooley discusses this in the episode that people think of private schools as being for the rich. So they imagine that uh, that private schools are a solution for people who live in you know, Rosedale or the Glebe, these Tony areas of, uh, of cities and can afford to spend tens or thousands of dollars on, uh, on school fees. And that private education is only an option for them and public education is the right option for basically everybody else. Uh, and I think that uh, there's big, problems with that big flaws and giving the government this monopoly or near monopoly on education, one of our most important things. So I'm a big pro proponent of school choice, but a lot of private schools are expensive. And so I'm so interested, first of all, James Tooley in his book, The Beautiful Tree, uh, looks at low cost private schools all around the world, including many developing countries where people are providing you know, education for children at very, very low prices. Um, but I'm also interested in the fact that uh, James Tooley is a practitioner 
rather than just a, an academic who's studying this. So he's involved in the launch of a low-cost private school in the UK, uh, where they have school fees that I think are are somewhere around the area of four to five thousand dollars per year in, in Canadian dollars. So it's not nothing, but it's a lot less than many people will think of when they're thinking of uh, of school choice, and it's a cost that would put that sort of option within the range of many more families. Uh, James Tooley uh, actually just had a new book come out through the Independent Institute called uh, called Really Good Schools. I'm hopeful we're going to have him back on the podcast before too long to talk about that. And I think he's going to take some of the stage that he set talking a lot about uh, education in the developing world in that first interview and talk a little bit about his efforts to bring that into some of the more uh, developed countries in the world. Sabine, did you have a second one? I do. Um, actually, kind of builds off of uh, your what you were talking about oh, with the anarchy episode uh, earlier. Uh, a lot of what you and Ian were talking about had to do with civil society and communities as well. And uh, I think that leads nicely into the other episode. I think is 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 the one of the ones that I recommend to people. Um, and as you all both said, I love every episode. How can I not? Because I mean, <laughs> a lot of these episodes, most of the episodes, or all of the episodes reflect uh, the things that we care about and that we think people care about. So um, I obviously have a special place in my heart for every episode because I was there for every single one. And I, I just love everybody and everything that we're talking about. That's why I do what I do uh, on this on this podcast. Uh, but, you know, there's one uh, that stands out as well, other, other than the Tom Palmer episode, and that's the Jacob Levy episode. Uh, that's episode 29, when he talks about how should liberals think of civil society. Uh, now, civil society is a topic that really matters to me. Uh, I do a lot of work on immigration, and I see the uh, positive effects of civil society. So just having a basis for that argument that civil society is important uh, is, is, is great. But, you know, Jacob Levy takes it to the next level because he talks about um, rationalism and pluralism, and he's basing this on a book that really changed the way that I view the world uh, that had a lot of impact on me. And that's why I chose, I think part of the reason I chose this episode. Uh, he talks about those ideas, and he also talks about how the things that people say quite innocently often um, because they're worried about freedom of either the group or the individual. And he talks about why those um, issues might be unfounded or uh, they're looking at it in a, in a, in a way that perhaps they shouldn't, uh, even though their intentions are good. I think that's a really important way to look at um, the problems that some people have with civil society. Uh, but another great part is near the end of the conversation that you have with them, Alex, uh, when Jacob Levy starts to talk about James Scott and his book, Seeing Like a State, and how he talks about how states have this tendency to overreach and sometimes they get to the point where they want to make their social orders easily governable and then get joined they have this great ideological plan uh, and that leads often leads to human catastrophes and one of the things that Scott says that we need to prevent something like that is civil society or just an organizational capacity to say no to the state uh, but there has to be one of these organizations happening before this happens so uh, that's where Jacob takes over and says the idea rationalists often have with these types of groups are perhaps we should have civil society uh, act only when these things happen, when the state overreaches and things like that. Uh, that's not actually going to work because you need these organizations to be there in the first place. So there has to be that freedom for civil society to be created and to flourish. And I think that's such an amazing message. And I have a passage of, the, of his book, uh, like sort of printed out and put on above my desk because it kind of reminds me, I look at it once in a while and it inspires me to remember what how important it is that we have these kinds of podcasts, that we have the organizations like the ILS out there uh, because they are the foundation of allowing people to have those kinds of things, to have the, uh, the 
ability to say no or to have the ideas that necessary to understand what that even means. And I think that episode lays the foundation for um, organizations like ours and civil society in general and why it's so important. I agree with, with all that. that. That was a great one too. Um, and I'm glad you highlighted it because it was definitely on, on my short list. Um, for, for my second one, I'm going to go with uh, what is neoliberalism with Eric Schleiser. So this this one is is for two main reasons that I that I thought of when we were going to have our chat today. One, because of, of the subject matter itself. I, I think it was an interesting discussion, but also for what the episode did and didn't do. What it what it didn't do is, uh, again, and this ties back to the very beginning of our conversation of what we set out to do and not do with the podcast. So what this, I think this episode encapsulated nicely, which what it didn't do is spend 10 minutes laughing at people over a definition or trying to say, here's what we think this is and move on. Um, and of course, most of this is, is credit to Eric himself and his work because that's not what he does. And so that's what we actually were exploring in that episode. But one thing it did is basically um, mix in a historical tour of where some of this terminology neoliberalism came from, what certain names and thinkers you can attach to it, why the name, uh, sorry, why the term changed over time and what it meant at different points in times, potentially how we could think of it today um, and, and so on and so forth. So while the subject matter itself, I think is very interesting. And if anyone listening here hasn't listened to it yet, I definitely encourage you to go listen to that. Just in the way that the topic was handled, I thought was sort of um, a, a very good thing to highlight here in terms of that, I think is one of the episodes that like the others, but in this case, in a very unique way, specifically demonstrates the way that at least I wanted to set out to handle certain topics, especially when we take just ultimately a term, neoliberalism, and explore it further. There's a lot to unpack, a lot to talk about, a lot to trace, and a lot of conclusions to draw on. And finally, what another thing that episode does is leave, a, and again, most credit to Eric for this in the way the conversation went, but leave the door open for further exploration for people listening to think on. That is to say, you know, we were left everyone with some thoughts at the end of the episode, just as we always do, but we never said, and this is what you should think. So great, we solved the problem today. It was, if you're interested in this and this makes sense, the vibe was basically, there's a lot of other things you could think on on this topic and perhaps go check out yourself. And that kind of brings me back to a higher level outside of just saying that episode itself, which is that all of these episodes, I think, that we just mentioned and all the ones that are published right now, I think really reflect the things that we set out to do and not do, just like we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation, right? Is that they want, they aim to make people think further about the topic we're talking about. And in some cases, the guests or even myself, if you can hear my own bias or my own answers in the episode, clearly have our own opinions. And we clearly say, well, this is that and this is that and that's what we think. But nowhere, whether it's in the neoliberalism episode or, or the other episodes, and you guys tell me if, if you agree, I think we've ever crossed that line where we basically want to make it sound like we've opened and shut the case. I think that the idea is always to get people to think more on it themselves and not take us for granted and not, and not, I don't mean that actually, let me start it again and not take us at our word. Actually, we hope that you listen and trust us and things like that, but, but think about it for yourself. And that's been one of the main passions in the project for me is like opening the door to these topics with one hour of conversation and encouraging further thought, not owning this group or that group or saying this is right or this is wrong, but presenting our opinions and our thoughts on it as we go through the conversation and encouraging thought on the topic. Shout out John Stuart Mill. One of my favorite, uh, you just made me think about this, Alex. One of my favorite parts of the podcast is that I think, Alex, you ask questions that 
everybody would be asking if they read the book these are the you're representing uh, the person who's read the book who wants to ask questions about it or who understands the topic but has questions about it so I think you push back on a lot of ideas uh, in a way that uh, everybody listening might as well so I feel like you re you represent the person listening uh, in the episode and you're asking hard questions sometimes about these ideas because you're trying to get to the truth behind what they're trying to say I think that's a really important way of, of going after the episode not just sort of calling them out or like other other podcasts sort of call them out or try to like show them that show that they're they're not so smart or this part of your book is like it doesn't make sense you know what you're doing is you're asking the common questions one would ask if they were to encounter these ideas for the first or second or third time sometimes or, or had the chance to read the book um, or have just a general idea about the topic never read a book about it and these are the questions that they probably ask an expert yeah, no, i know i really appreciate the, the compliment i'm glad it's coming off that way thanks so much it's hard to think about it from an outsider's perspective but i will say another thing too that that that's part of our you know production process and some may not know so i'll just say it now that ever whether it's starts with matt suggesting an idea or or providing some context for why we should be maybe having a certain guest on right through to me and sabine talking together how the episode could go um not only we do do we put a lot of thought into this but I must say, like, whether Sabine has read something before or not gives her a lot of context. But in, in our preparation, too, at least one of us has, and oftentimes it's me, but oftentimes it's also Sabine, has actually read the book. Like, we're not looking on Wikipedia and thinking from a superficial level of of what's going on here. Like, the work is read, the essays are read, the bios are read, like, and, and there's, a lot, there's a good chunk of studying and thought um, in different ways on all of our parts that goes into this. So um, for anyone listening, if that comes across, then... Let us know <laughs> the feedback, but but that's something that I think we really pride ourselves on too, right? Tying that back to the beginning of our chat is that we really want to explore this stuff and put a lot of effort and thought into bringing these people on. It's not just a matter of, hey, the title of your book sounds like something I disagree with, so let's talk about cultural warfare or something like that for the next 20 minutes, right? And ask the questions that you, the listener, would ask if you were given the opportunity to talk to this person. Yeah. One, one of the things that happens in the script process is I will just read a paragraph or, or Sabine will message me and say, hey, you know, I've read this and I really thought this one time that goes in the notes for the episode just because we want to explore that and we think other people would be interested in that too. Absolutely. And I, I think it's uh, really important to note that uh, although I have the executive producer uh, title in the podcast, that the work that I do is, is really quite limited. And I'm, I'm really happy with that because I like being able to have some suggestions. And sometimes I'll mention a possible guest. And sometimes you guys might come to me and say, you know, you're looking for someone to do a topic. And, and I might know someone through our network who would be a, a good guest for that. But a lot of what I'm doing is, and this is not even on every episode, but on some of the episodes, getting the ball rolling with a, a possible guest and possible topic, but then handing the process off uh, to Alex and Sabine for a lot of the, the more in-depth, the time-consuming, the preparation, the scheduling, the organizing, the production, and all of the stuff that needs to happen for that possible podcast. Um, you know, I think our time is just about wound down on this special episode that we're doing. But when we wrap up, I think it's really important for the host to have the last word. So I'm wondering, Alex, if you can tell me, ultimately, what do you want people listening to this episode to take away if you were to put a finer point on it? I see what you did there, Matt. And to everyone listening, that was not planned. So that's amazing. So let me shift Let me shift gears, as I like to say, into that mentality. Um, if, if I had to leave everyone listening here with a couple of takeaways... If anything, from this conversation, I would leave them with the following. One, if you're listening to this, thank you very, very much. From the bottom of my heart, I really mean that. This has been 
um, an excellent project. Um, it's been really cool to record over a hundred hours of content to put that out there. So thank you for listening to this and thank you for coming along the ride with us. And then the second, uh, takeaway, I would say from this chat, if it, you know, um, you know, hasn't become apparent yet or all the episodes is that, um, I hope you keep along with us on this ride on the curious task, because this is a, a passion project. It's a project. It's a labor of love. And everything I was saying before, I would echo again that this is ultimately about putting ideas and getting great people on the podcast with us to explore those ideas so we can spread them, but also have people come to the table and genuinely think for themselves on what they're being presented with and apply their own critical thinking and opinion to it. That's always been the point of this. So that's the main takeaway I would say, Matt, if you think that works, is that thank you, everybody. Please stick around if you're just joining us or, you know, you've been been around since the beginning. And, uh, and we really hope that we've given you lots of food for thought. At least there's 100 hours of it so far. This episode of The Curious Task was produced by Alex Aragona and Sabine L. Chidiak. Our executive producer is Matt Bufton. The music you heard on today's episode was created by Lindy Voppenfjord. You should check out his other stuff online. The Curious Task exists today because of donations of time and money from those creating it and listeners like yourself. Check us out on Patreon and find out how you can support us and get access to exclusive offers. I'm Alex Aragona. Thank you very much for joining us on The Curious Task. 